probably leaving out the biggest one, Darrell Jackson. I mean, we've been yeah, talking yeah. about him all year. And finally we get to see him play. He's going to step in for Fabian Lovett, opting out of this game, and he's going to be able to eat right away. And finally, you know, especially being back in Hard Rock Stadium, you know he's going to want to go out and show out on Saturday. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnun Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live from Miami on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening, the Florida State Seminoles and Mike Norvell have arrived this week in South Florida for Florida State's matchup in the Orange Bowl on Saturday afternoon against Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. We are here, our whole entire crew, including Tommy Muir, he's over there listening to the podcast live here. Uh, but we are we are uh, all stacked up, the whole crew here this year to finish off this 2023 season, which has been a fun one to cover, but at the end of it, a Absolute roller coaster, but uh, super stoked to go through a lot of stuff. We've got to talk Tate Rodemaker, his transfer portal intentions. We're going to talk the lawsuit and the ACC and Florida State, that whole entire topic there. We're going to talk about Renardo Green, Jarian Jones, Akeem Dent opting out of this game, specifically Renardo and Jarian as of this week opting out before the Orange Bowl. We're going to talk a little bit of some battle end signings. Uh, and then we're going to jump into a tiny bit of recruiting, and then we'll talk fully about Florida State versus Georgia. With me this evening is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer and official game preview guy of the season for football. And down below is our editor-in-chief at NG. Gentlemen, we're here. Austin, you just flew in just literally not even two hours ago. But the whole crew's here, and it's going to be a fun blast to end off the season here in South Florida. It's going to be a fun week. I don't think it's what any of us expected whenever we uh, thought about how this season would go back in August. But, you know, here we are, one last game week, um, still an opportunity for Florida State to go out there and shock the world. And, you know, for a lot of younger guys on the roster to get playing time, this is a big opportunity for guys to develop. Got some of the Tribe 24 signees already out there going through practice with the team. So this is still a huge week for Florida state. And, you know, we'll get to some of the talk later, but these players are extremely focused going into this game. Here we were thinking we'd be in new Orleans eating some, eating some gumbo or some jambalaya or something, but no, we're in South Florida instead. I would say we're working on a Tampa. It's going to be bad weather here the next couple of days, but Oh, well it is what it is. We'll, we'll see some young guys play some football. That's, that's what we're here for. I will say, though, BZ, you're telling us in the chat you're looking to get your tan. I did go out and grab a tan earlier today. There was a chance of rain, but it was just lasted maybe just a second, and boom, was able to yeah, take, hang well, out there in the sun. It was actually beautiful all throughout the day. 
Well, according to Dustin, there's six foot iguanas out there. So I don't know if I really there, want to step out there. There Monster. is right out right outside that door. We experienced that today. I was going to work outside, and sure enough, laying under the table out there and the chair was a probably a good three or four foot iguana. You almost lost a leg. You know, is it really <laughs> worth it to go get a tan just, just down the couch? I yeah, I learned my lesson there. But and then there was also iguanas at FSU's practice as well. So full of entertainment throughout since arriving here. But we had also press conference today. We got to hear from a handful of offensive players, including Brock Lynn, and we heard from offensive coordinator Alex Atkins. So we'll be discussing that as well. Also, we'll jump into the 15 minutes of practice that we were there for before they kicked us out. But uh, before we get started, as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new video it's not just live videos we do every wednesday but we've got tons of shorts and press conference stuff going out but all throughout the off season we'll continue our youtube and, and keep pushing out some content for you guys uh, to keep you guys entertained before florida state goes and travels across the seas to kick off their 2024 season in ireland um let's jump into it guys we got quite a bit to talk about before we jump into this georgia preview but let's start off with the number one topic that everybody uh, kind of wants uh, us to discuss and this is tate rodemaker hitting the transfer portal on christmas day of course all this is of you know reports and such he hasn't come out and announced anything officially yet but as from florida state side uh, I was told from us from FSU spokesperson that that is the intention for him. And sure enough, Brock Lynn was named the starter this week on the depth chart. Florida State now only has one scholarship quarterback, one scholarship quarterback. And it's just wild to say that after, you know, looking into this from the offseason and previewing this whole team to now saying Brock Glenn is the starting quarterback in the Orange Bowl against Kirby Smart's Georgia. Like, I, I, I would have thought you were crazy. I, like you're, you're drunk again, Logan, but no, it's, it's real deal. Florida state's going to be facing Georgia with Brock Lynn, but let's, let's talk about Tate Rodemaker thoughts on this. And, you know, really seemed like, you know, it just depends on some fans here and there, but a lot of them not so happy with the timing of this and I don't blame them. Dustin's waiting on me. So, <laughs> It, for sure. I think the only surprising thing was the timing. Once we saw Florida State start going after DJ Uyangalale and Cam Ward, it, it, the writing was kind of on the wall for Tate Rodemaker to leave, and that's what happened. Obviously, the timing is not what anyone expected or preferred. You know, you, you don't want the news to come out as the team is getting on the plane to, to Fort Lauderdale, but it is what it is. Florida State's going to move on, and I, I don't think – Tate Rodemaker was the difference between winning this game and losing this game, so it really doesn't matter a ton. Let Brock, in, Brock Glenn get those snaps, let him gel with the young guys, and see what he has going into next season. My AirPods were bugging, but I kind of found it as a surprise, but also not a surprise. Really, the surprising part of it was kind of the time, you know, for this to come out right before, like you said, Austin, right before the team hops on the plane to travel down to South Florida, you know, the news breaks publicly that Florida state has lost its second starting quarterback of the season. Um, obviously, you know, talking to Brocklin and some of the other guys today, this was something that they knew a little bit before hopping on that plane. It didn't all come to a head on, <clears throat> on Christmas day, but you know, it's overall not a surprise for Tate Rodemaker to end up moving on from this, from this program. Obviously a guy that has been a quality backup throughout his career, but, 
you know, we saw those struggles against UF and since then Florida State, as Austin also said, has publicly pursued a couple of experienced and really talented transfer quarterbacks where if they were to choose to transfer to Tallahassee, they're more than likely or not going to be Tate Rodemaker out for that starting job. And, you know, I think for him, just being in the program for four years, maybe he feels a little bit disrespected by Florida State going out and recruiting these guys instead of giving him, you know, what he might believe to be a, a fair shot and chance of that starting job in the spring. But, you know, it is what it is. And now Florida State in a in a crazy scenario down to one scholarship quarterback. And, Logan, you kind of alluded to it, but no one would have thought this going to the season that you've got Jordan Travis, one of the best quarterbacks in college football on your roster. You've got Tate Rodemaker, a four-year backup who's been in the system, um, come come in and, and won some games for Florida State, played in big moments. And then you've got the true freshman, Brock Lynn, who was supposed to learn behind these guys in redshirt, but now is going to end up starting Florida State's final two games of the 2023 season. We're, we're one QB hit away from me having to warm up my, my throwing arm again. It's been, it's been a while since I shook off the rust, but I may have to on Saturday. You have to warm up that hip first. Yeah, that hip. That hip, man. It's going to take a little while to stretch. I'm a pocket passer. I don't need to be running. Okay. Okay. What about shooting, though? Your shooting's still fine. You can shoot whenever. Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay. I was making sure. Yeah. The timing timing is definitely not great. And I understand understand Tate's um, intentions of entering the transfer portal. And if Florida State's pursuing, as we do know, a lot of these talented transfers, including Cam, including DJU, these are talented veteran guys that they want to come in and play in 2024. And uh, I don't think it would have been a shock for him to announce afterward, but just for the situation where you're getting prepped for an orange ball, you're going against Georgia. Not only did that maybe affect, you know, just you and the offense alone, it also probably impacted some of these defensive players that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes regarding Renardo Green and Jarian Jones, who were practicing and intending on playing in this game, but also decided also decided to uh, opt out as my camera also is opting out here and just going to flop backwards. But we're, um, opting out. we're opting out. We're opting out. Here's the deal. I mean, we might have to sub in here going to that practice. It was pretty thin, so we might be going in there. Dustin, I saw you put in a move here earlier. I think you could still bring back that Florida high uh, blocking, don't you think? No, they're going to need him at D-tackle. You think so? Yeah. Bodies are kind of light there. And running back at the same time. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, and then you put into a situation, like you all were saying, only one scholarship quarterback – You've got a walk-on quarterback, and then as we'll talk about in practice here in a few, you've just got a quarterback, that, uh, the 2024 kid. You know, a lot of people want him to get in there, but can't see Luke Cromanhawk until after this season wraps up, and, and we'll see him getting after it in the spring. But only two quarterbacks, you know, Florida State moving, doing some things in the depth chart as, as well, adjusting to this, as we saw in the ACC Championship with having Lawrence Toa Philly back there at Wildcat and that kind of kept Florida State alive in that game to get down the field and you know they made some adjustments in the depth chart this week where you see Ja'Kai Douglas listed as a running back and then also to Joshua Burrell who Dustin you and I have both seen in practice and you know he's had some little flashes here and there but it's a wide receiver two wide receivers jumping into that running back room because you don't have Lawrence to a Philly either he's got season ending injury uh surgery so he's got he's dealing with that right now as we speak too so you don't have your starting running back even with you know trey benson 
heading off into the NFL as well. So Florida State just thinner than than ever. But the whole Rodemaker situation certainly certainly hurts you. And you know, I, I don't blame a few of these guys opting out, but for for Tate Rodemaker, it's it's a it's a sticky situation. Definitely, just not the greatest timing. And I, I the Mike Norvell thing too. You don't usually see Mike Norvell get this fiery, but that 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 was that was a real subtweet. That was a real subtweet from uh from Mike Norvell there, kind of fired up and not uh maybe throwing some shots there. I don't know if specifically at Tate Rodemaker, but he was sending a message. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the timing really sucked for Florida State. And, you know, I guess maybe my main gripe with it is you're just kind of leaving Brock Lynn there out now to really dry. You know, you think about the AC championship, there were some question marks with Tate Rodemaker's availability going to that game, kind of, you know, split the reps a little bit and got him some reps. And then the news comes out early before the game that Brock Lynn is now going to start for Florida State. Louisville has extra time to prepare. So that was just a really weird week for him already in a high pressure situation going into his first career start. And then now also, you know, the bowl practices that we were able to attend, we did see Rodemaker taking some first team reps and, you know, you have to wonder if he knew that he was going to move on from the program, why didn't he potentially enter the portal earlier and allow Brock to have this full um, bowl prep to kind of get in the swing of things and be ready to go. But, you know, at the same time, Brock Lynn's a guy, he's not going to make any excuses. And we heard him talk about it today. He always prepares himself as a starting quarterback, even if he wasn't going to be. So he feels like he's ready for this moment and he's ready to make some improvements from his first start to his second start. And we'll see how it goes on Saturday. I think part of it's just timing. The I've talked about it a little bit on Twitter this week, but the 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 schedule for December is just insane. Between bowl games, transfer portal, early signing day, <clears throat> the, the schedule's just so condensed, and if Rodemaker did want to enter the portal and be in a spot by the time next semester starts, he really had to get in in this last week or two because the portal closes on the 2nd, January 2nd, I want to say, and most, five, semesters, and most of the semesters... Five start. days, sorry, I'm just interjecting, but for the teams, the portal window's 30 days, but for the teams who, like, in their season, like Florida State on the 30th, the players will get five extra days to enter the portal. So players from FSU will have until the fourth, the, the third or, or whatever. And then players that play on the first will have until the sixth. Or yeah, so a little, it's still, still not that much more time. And again, they want to be at their next school by the time the next semester starts, which is really that first or second week of January for most schools. So the timing had to be now if you want to make that decision. It's just one of those until NCAA or college football or whoever ends up deciding it until they kind of spread the schedule out and either bowl games are moved up or transfer portals move back or early signing days move back or whatever. Something's got to get fixed a little bit here because it's, it's a way too condensed. I can only imagine what the coaches have gone through the last four weeks since the ACC championship. No, I mean, I complain enough about this month with having to cover the team and recruiting and transfer. So I can only imagine it from the coach's perspective or spending, you know, even more time, you know, going into things and it's gotta be insane. I don't know how you really fix the calendar. Like, is it possible you guys think maybe you start the college football season three or four weeks earlier? I, I don't know I don't, if that could be. You don't, even, you don't even need that. You can move it up two weeks. You can do all the bowl games in like a two or three week span instead of having it spread out over basically a month. And you can have them start in the week after championship week for especially for like the, the teams that don't make the conference championship game like my man Rutgers don't need to be playing this Thursday they could have played two weeks ago mm -hmm. so 
I think if you can move all that up, then you could then you could put early signing day in the transfer portal window after Christmas. I think that kind of cleans things up a little bit. They're just going to have to figure it out because it's clear that bowl season isn't what bowl season was 10 years ago when it meant a ton for a lot of college football teams just to make a bowl game and have that experience. And now you're seeing it, you know, on the backs of disappointing seasons. You know, you're seeing players from the seven and five, eight and four, nine and three schools that have NFL futures go ahead and opt out and protect themselves. But also from a Florida State perspective, after being snubbed from the playoff, and even though you're in a New Year's Six game, this isn't the game that you signed up for. And you obviously feel disrespected like you rightfully should be and having players move on as well. So even the big games aren't as important anymore. And I think, like you said, Austin, maybe you look at moving bowl season up a little bit instead of spreading it out so far. I think it's one of both season still matters to the smaller schools. I guess it's going to matter a ton to the Western Michigans and the Toledos and those kind of schools, but it doesn't really matter like for the Florida States or the Notre Dames or the Georgias or whoever, like I said, have that NFL future and don't see the point in potentially getting hurt or potentially losing out on money that they could be seeing next year. The, the expanded playoff will help with a little bit with that because all the good players will potentially be in the playoffs, but still, that something's got to get fixed a little bit. We could definitely be thinned up, trimmed up, better scheduled, everything. Um, it's it's the, the only it's the only on league hands, you know. It's the only league where free agency ha- happens in at like during the season. Like games are still being played, and free agency is wild right now with the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. That's because that's essentially what the transfer portal is. It's free agency. It's the only league where free agency is in the middle of the season. Yeah, and they're they're gonna have to adjust. I think there wasn't a lot of pre planning and looking ahead of what this could turn into obviously and what what are we dealing with them well you're dealing with the nca so it's not shocking for them just to be sitting on their hands and we're just going to wait until it all just becomes a catastrophe which it kind of is for coaches you know some coaches you can definitely tell you know mike norvell not so happy about it that immediately once he had to tell you know that once the team found out they weren't going to college football playoffs he's immediately on the road 20 minutes after going to meet with recruits and then we kind of saw the debacle too with some of the internally with the players in the on the roster you know looking to enter the transfer portal leave florida state but then you know you looked at the pat payton situation the joshua farmer situation which is still kind of ongoing um like you know there's got to be so much there's got to be better scheduling for these coaches to be able to handle things they are there it's just non-stop and that's that way all throughout the year but this time specifically there's just too much going on definitely for teams that are reaching the postseason and when we move to that 12 team playoff a lot of teams and coaches are going to be dealing with that so so things certainly got to be cleaned up and hopefully the ncaa will act on that but as we know on this show and bz you've been pretty on point with it having to deal with stuff on the basketball side it, it takes a while for the NCAA to actually get their shit together. So, well, we see That's with the Daryl the Daryl Jackson transfer or yeah. yeah the waiver. You know, all season denied, denied. Can't even play the AC championship. Now he's finally eligible for their Orange Bowl. And what was it? A couple of days ago, they're now like two time transfers or multi time transfers. You know, whatever. So you yeah, wasted the whole kid's year for for what? They're all eligible next year. Like it's not even just bad. It's not even just. All the other sports now, football and all the other fall sports will be fine for next year. So and it's it's an ever changing landscape with the NCAA and rarely do they know what they're doing. So hopefully they can get their heads out of their ass at some point, but I'm not exactly holding any hope out for that. Just like a middle finger to the face, like all right, you the season's over and now, you know, next year you can play, it doesn't matter. Yep, yep. 
But uh, yeah, Tate Rodemaker is going to be remembered for that game on the road against Louisville. He did what he had to do against Florida and win that game and, and reach Florida State to finish the regular season undefeated and, you know, get to an ACC championship where he didn't end up playing and Brock Glenn played, but you're expecting to see him play against Georgia and uh, just a, just a crappy situation, just like my camera that continues to go sideways on here, no matter what, what a time to be alive. It's because we're in Miami. Although I will say Miami has been great so far. Great food. Weather's been phenomenal. So uh, having a good time. People that are not having a good time though, are the board of trustees with the ACC. And that's a good transition right there, gentlemen. We're going to talk about Florida State's board of trustees going at it with the ACC officially um, getting their lawsuit down, going against trying to get out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, FSU President Mitch, uh, Richard McCullough said, I think we've ob obviously shown we can compete with the best of them. We we're 13 and 0 and we're denied a college football playoff spot. Obviously, we did our part, but we missed the college football playoff invitational. A little snub there back at the playoff committee. But gentlemen, looking at the numbers here, you know, I'm not gonna go jump into this. We're not any kind of experts on the law side of things. We're gonna kind of let this play out and let the experts take care of it. And we don't need to come on here and just put out some BS that we probably don't know what the hell we're talking about, but just to put out some big numbers, 572 million is what the board put out there on, uh, on their stream during the meeting. It is a total financial penalty that they would have to deal with in order to leave the ACC. Um, we listened to chairman Peter Collins. Um, and he said today we've reached a crossroad in our relationship with the ACC. I think this board has been left no choice, but to challenge the legitimacy of the ACC grant of rights and its severe withdrawal penalties. So practically saying we're about to go in. We know we're going to deal with a lot of shit, but we're going to do everything in our power and get the people behind us and get the really people that know what the hell they're doing to try to help us get out of this. And one thing that really stood out during this meeting to me guys was the ACC and how up there in Charlotte and their headquarters, they keep those grant of rights. They keep that all locked down. You can't take a picture. I don't think you can even you can't even scan uh, and take transcripts from it. Can't dis distribute it, and you can't just get it out and just share it out to everybody. Um, but that's what uh, that's what uh, Florida State's having to deal with. But uh, what are y'all's thoughts on this? We obviously were all watching that live stream going on throughout it all. But yeah, Florida State wants the hell out of the ACC, and we knew this was kind of coming. We knew this was coming last year. We kind of knew a couple of years ago, honestly, we put out a piece two years ago about two years ago about um, Alfred and the intentions of, you know, starting to lay the groundwork, build a team behind this to look into getting out of the ACC and so much of the stuff that has to go with it, including the GOR. But now, you know, obviously the college football playoff snub doesn't help, but this has been ongoing for a good while and it kind of sped up the process of this happening. I'm thankful it's finally happening. I can tell you that. There's been no more anti-ACC here than me, I think. Um, yeah, to your point about the grant of rights being locked away in a cellar in the ACC headquarters, it just to me, it doesn't make sense. To me, if it's a contract binding all parties, to me, it seems like all parties should be allowed to have a copy of the contract. But that's just me. I'm not a lawyer. I did take some law classes, but not a, <laughs> not a lawyer. Um, not only that, I think the biggest piece of information was that the 
that the that ESPN has an option to extend the ACC's rights through 2036. It's not locked in through 2036 right now, but if they opt out after 2027, ACC's hooked on into the deal, but ESPN doesn't owe them anything. I think that's become a huge point in this case with whatever happens. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a settlement for Florida State where they just pay the exit fee of what it would be for 2027, which I think off the top of my head, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was either 100 or 120 million. I think Florida State would be very happy to get out of the ACC for that figure instead of the 572 million. But I'm I'm fascinated by this. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how this goes. And uh, no, I think Florida State's got a shot. I know some some outside people have been like upset with all the noise Florida State's making. They don't have a choice, you know. By Florida law, they have to make these things public. They can't do it behind the scenes. So they're doing it the way they have to. And it's not like Florida State's not used to being the villain. They've done this before. They've done stuff like this before, where they're perfectly okay being Florida State, and they'll do whatever whatever it takes to keep that brand going. Yeah, this was the the natural next step in Florida State's quest to get out of the ACC. And you know, we've talked about it for years now. You know, as Florida State's lawyer is going to be able to find something in this grant of rights agreement to be able to take to a court setting and argue. And now they've they've got a couple things outlined in that lawsuit. And you mentioned the five hundred seventy-two million dollar estimation that they're thinking it'll take total to get out of the conference. Also, thought that was interesting when they were going into detail about the way the ACC has monumentally raised the exit fee. Mm-hmm. Um, just at seemingly random points and and random integers over, you know, the last decade or so. And you think about it, I think they were talking about when Maryland got out of the ACC back in 2013. It, it ended up. Was, was it 52 million or, or something like that that ended up paying? Um, but either way, the ACC ended up suing Maryland for a very a large amount, and it was settled down to a much smaller number. So I think you've got to think that 572 million, that's maybe a very generous estimation. And from Florida State, you know, hearing their outside legal counsel talk, it, it sounds like they believe that they potentially owe zero dollars. Now we'll see how that works out. But um, it's going to be fun to follow this, but I definitely think you know, we should try and bring on a, a legal expert at some point to kind of dive into it a little bit more and talk about some of the nuances that maybe we don't necessarily understand um, about the law setting. But this is what Florida State has to do to get out of the ACC. They're obviously trying to make the move to either the Big Ten or the SEC. And I think with them being so public with this fight and you know having the whole country, I mean, really seeing what they're doing, um, depending on how this goes, you could see some other ACC teams follow this strategy, you know, follow Florida State out the door um, potentially. But if Florida State does become available, the SEC and the Big Ten, it's going to be a bidding work to uh, get FSU into one of those conferences because the other conference isn't going to want to let the other conference get Florida State. Yeah, real quick, the ACC originally wanted $52 million for Maryland's XSP. Uh, they ended up settling for a little over $31 million. So I think Florida State's going to have a pretty good shot to massively get this this exit fee down. But judging by what we heard on the in the meeting on Friday, they want to just completely null it out. They don't think it's enforceable. They don't think they think of it as more of a penalty. Which I, I again not a legal expert whatsoever, but you can't penalize a state university from what people are saying. Again, not a legal expert whatsoever. But you know, I think Florida State's going to have a shot at this, and if they can get out of this. You can bet your ass Clemson's going to be right behind them. Miami's going to be right there. North Carolina, 
probably as well. Really, the only people who are complaining are the ones that don't move the needle whatsoever. It's the Wake Forest, it's the Boston Colleges, it's the Pitts. Those are the ones having the bigger complaints, and even the schools that aren't even an ACC team yet. Yeah, what about SMU, baby? SMU, SMU, SMU and Stanford. Out here. Like, y'all were so desperate to join a conference that you gave up meter rights. Don't talk, don't, don't come talking to the big dogs like that. I do think it's funny. I bet you just went scorched earth. They just went after everybody. Everybody. You know, the the outline of the lawsuit, they're talking about the college football playoff snub and and how they felt the ACC didn't do them their rights. And then you got them going after the additions. And, you know, I, I think that's an, that's an obviously big argument too for Florida State because Florida State was against that from the beginning publicly privately doing everything they can to not let that get voted in but eventually north carolina state talked off the ledge and gave the yes vote and i know a lot of people have also been saying well florida state signed this contract why are they now upset about it a it was a completely different leadership group different president different athletic director at the same point the acc has to hold up their end of the contract as well and if that hasn't happened then florida state's going to get out of this and that's what that's what's important yeah mm-hmm. acc is going to push hard to keep it Florida State in this, you know, Florida State, look at the the brand that they have, the ratings that they bring in, the views, everything imaginable that the Florida State program has uh, at its, uh, that it brings to the conference as a whole. They're, they're going to fight as much as they can with it. So it's going to be an interesting battle that we'll be watching uh, throughout the next couple of months. And it's going to take a long while, but Florida State heavily trying to get out of this conference. But yeah, I think we should have more of an expert that can maybe dumb this down a tiny bit in some regard and definitely whenever it continues to develop we'll bring on somebody that can lay us down a nice time timeline for us i do think before we move on it's also important to note that the acc also filed a lawsuit against florida state in charlotte north carolina and fsu's lawsuit has been filed obviously in leon county um and it's interesting it seems like the acc by filing that maybe trying to get the venue set up for the eventual case but i don't know if that argument again not a lawyer let's put a put a hashtag there or something not a lawyer Mm -hmm. but with florida state being a public university in the state of florida i would imagine that the case is going to be held in yeah i i don't believe a state university can be or can have a lawsuit filed out of that state i think it's going to have to be in florida and i i haven't read the acc's lawsuit yet it was way too long um yeah and it's pages especially when the first thing i see is them claiming they're like the standard for athletics and academics and then i just laughed and exited the lawsuit and said i'll come back to it um because it's not it's just not true it doesn't matter how good you are in in swimming and golf and whatever else if you're not moving the needle where it matters and that's in football and basketball and i know the acc has been a basketball conference for its large majority the last half decade it simply hasn't been they've been at best the fourth best basketball conference since 2019 mm-hmm. and they've been they've been bad in football outside of florida state and clemson for the last what three decades they just haven't cared about the two sports that really move the needle and have Pushed all their eggs in these other baskets, said, "Hey, we're winning, we're winning national championships in, in women's soccer, which obviously congrats to Florida State for that." But these sports aren't making the money, and that's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, is Florida State doesn't want to get so far behind the the Big Ten and the SEC to where they can't compete monetarily. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to continue to follow that. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, all of our socials, and of course. Keeping tuned into NoelGameDay.com. There's tons of content going out on this and getting 
some comments from analysts and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, a lot, a lot of this is going to be something that's going to take a little while, but um, I'd like to have more of a firm timeline for us to go through and for some things to expect coming up. So we can talk about it and discuss on the show as we do weekly. Uh, let's jump into some opt outs, gentlemen. We were talking about Tate earlier in the show, but two more uh, came through as of this week, really primarily uh, on game week. And it's Renardo Green and uh, Jarian Jones, two guys that were practicing. Dilu, you saw these guys at practice uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. These guys were intending on playing. We heard from Jarian, jo- heard from Jarian Jones. And he told us that he was going to be playing in this Orange Bowl, said, you know, the season's not finished, got some things to do. But after Tate Rodemaker, uh, the news came out there that he was intending on ending the transfer portal. These two guys also decide uh, on the other side of the ball. And Florida State's going to be without their two starting cornerbacks on Saturday afternoon against uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. For sure. Definitely a disappointing decision. You know, like you noted, we were – Originally expecting Jarian to play in this game, his final game at Florida State, but it seems like the Rodemaker news, and I think in that span of the same couple of days, you know, you had the Akeem Dent news, which we'll get to shortly, and it just seems to have kind of spiraled around some of these guys that are going to be moving on following the season, and solid Jarian, solid Bernardo, two guys that have been very good throughout their careers at Florida State, especially, you know, Jarian Jones this year having a breakout season. Bernardo Green the past two seasons has been a a lockdown corner for uh, Florida State and a, a physical hitter. So they both had very productive careers in Tallahassee. Definitely would have liked to see him play in one more game, you know, because they're still fighting to be in that mix to be drafted in April and would have been good to get one more game um, on tape. But also, you know, I understand with all the losses on both sides of the ball, why not just protect your future? And They're both going to go play in all-star games leading up to the draft. Might Might get an invitation to the combine. I would assume Renardo gets one and, and we'll see about Jarian. But either way, two productive guys in Florida State, you know, gonna have to rely on AZ and also Fentrell Cypress out there. It looks like Kevin Knowles on the depth chart has moved back down to that nickel spot listed as a co-starter with Greedy Vance. And then you've got uh Quindarius Jones and Jabril Rawls, two true freshmen backing up there at the outside cornerback position. So it's gonna be a, a young defensive backfield on Saturday going against the Bulldogs. It'll be interesting to see how much rotation there is in general, how much they want to play these freshmen and, and these sophomores, or do they really go out there and try to win this game and, and give the experienced guys those reps? I'm fascinated to see that, or if they keep it like they have been all year, where you know after two series, they're starting to rotate guys in and out, keep bodies fresh for the rest of the game, and back then the rest of the season, but this is your last game. So interested to see what they do. I'm curious to see what some of those young secondary members do, but at the same time, you know, Fentrell and AZ are pretty good corners, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I like – I and two time on Azure, I, I like AT a lot. I thought he's had a pretty smooth uh, season, and I'm really looking forward to 2024 when he's going to get a, a starting opportunity. He, he's had some times from last year and this year to make some plays and make some big plays and some big games, and they're kind of overlooked. There were some more scoring plays and such, but if you look back, he's made some – Big time plays for Florida State. And I think, too, we want to see him going to 2024. And this is going to be a good chance for him and a handful of other guys that were not ever expecting to face Georgia in the postseason. You know, if there's any kind of where a guy got to come out of a play, you're going to see some true freshmen jump in there. And uh, we've talked highly about a few of them so far. 
But a two, you know, got to bring in two, Akeem Dent, who also is going pro. Uh, we thought maybe he'd be trying to play in this game. Um, to me, I think it'd be great for him. He has had a solid season so far. I understand you don't want to get injured and such, but he's put together a, a nice season, finished it off uh, against uh, Georgia and put some good film out there for some scouts and, and do what you can do because he's someone that if he can stay healthy, that's big, one of his one of his hits that he's not just been able to stay healthy throughout his career and seasons. If he's able to do that and play and play in the ballgame, I thought that'd be big for him, but he's also not going to be playing to your – you're going to expect on a young, true freshman with Conrad Hussey back there with Shaheen Brown. going to be a lot of opportunities for some of these youngsters in the defensive backfield that Coach Sertan in his first season is, is going to be pretty interesting to watch. I don't think any of us on here, like before we even get to this Georgia matchup preview, none of us in here are going to be pretty critical on Florida State and what they're having to undergo in this game on Saturday. I don't think anybody should be. They should be more looking forward to, as fans and us covering it, looking forward to 2024, and I'm thinking of it more of a actual full-on, not a, even a spring game. You're getting a really good look at some of these true youngsters that want to go out there and compete, and um, it, it all starts, too, with, with Brock Lynn at quarterback. But, yeah, two starting cornerbacks aren't playing and, and starting safety as well. I think you kind of answered it with Akeem Dent, though. I mean, it's a guy that's dealt with injuries his whole career. Why risk it? Why, why risk getting hurt yet again in a game that literally does not matter whatsoever? You know, yeah. I feel that way. I feel that way with all these guys, even going down to Verse, who has been banged up here and there. Jaheim Bell was banged up from, you know, the rest of the or not the rest of the season, but a majority of the stretch this year. Johnny Wilson dealt with injuries. Keon was hurt down the stretch. I don't. I don't blame these guys whatsoever, especially the guys that have been banged up for most of the year in their past, you know, don't risk it in a game like this. That doesn't matter. Get healthy and go get paid. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I think we'll see what ends up happening later on. When we get through this season and postseason and whatnot, but um, just FSU's stance on this. I, I'm just not too shocked if they're like, Hey, if you're really thinking about it or if you're just teetering on the idea of you don't want to get injured in this game and you're looking ahead, go ahead. We don't give it. We don't give a damn. Just go. Go ahead. But I don't know if they really fully expected for it just to, just to be this brutal. I mean, <laughs> you're kind of at a point where you're about to throw in a walk on in some of these position groups. You're throwing I, in I other position him. members and other position yeah. groups at the moment. You're doing this right here in the running back room. It, it's kind of a little. Yeah, I I. I, I would be interested to discuss that later, but I think Florida state has been kind of pro go ahead, you know, uh, that kind of situation. Right. Unlike some other guys that are dancing around with the transfer portal and, you know, looking at the NIL, NIL side of things, but guys that are opting out to go into the NFL draft or, you know, go to the pros um, a little bit. I, I think FSU has been just pro in that regard for these guys. I've told Logan, I don't know if I've told you, Austin, my 10, 10 full hat theory, but my theory is that Florida State is trying to get these guys to opt out leading up to the game. And then, you know, you get to, uh, I guess tomorrow's Thursday, you get to Thursday, Friday, and Florida State's like, yeah, we don't, we don't oh, have players to suit up. I tweeted the other day, I hope we wake up Saturday morning to a, to a notice from Florida State's media department saying hey sorry we don't have enough players to play and we're, we're concerned about the safety of our team sorry collect that four million dollars and get on a plane back to Tallahassee before anyone knows what happened I mean we'll have to count the losses are are teetering over 20 at this point and I mean you can go you can start from one side of the offense to the entire other side of the defense and 
you know, at, in every single room, you've had attrition and some more than others, you know. <laughs> um, but Florida State, it's, it's going to be a very young group out there. And like I, going back to what Logan said, it's going to be hard to judge these guys, you know, depend on how this game goes on Saturday. Negatively, I, I think it's hard to judge them with the position that they've been put in. And especially, you know, you look at someone like Brock now missing basically his entire backfield. You've got Isaiah Holmes getting thrown in there. He's got 21 carries all year. Samuel Singleton, Singleton true freshman, his backup. He's got six carries. Um, you're missing two of your three top tight ends, obviously your top two wide receivers, and the guys you've got coming in behind that, Kentron, Darion, even Ja'Kai, have been banged up throughout the season. Uh, the offensive line, maybe that's one silver lining. Uh, you've pretty Your offensive <laughs> line has gotten some real time to heal up here, and the only loss you had was Bless Harris. You know, Maybe we'll see if. Robert Scott's able to give it more of a go in this game than he has uh, throughout the majority of the season. But it's it's a ragtag group on both sides of the ball, and it's going to be interesting. But I think you've got to look at it from a different viewpoint. You know, look at these guys that are going to be back with the program next year and, you know, see the potential that some of them – because we're going to see some big plays from some of these guys, some of these youngsters on Saturday that are going to play big roles at Florida State in the future. And, you know, we'll see if there's enough there for them to string it and, and – crazy i mean it'd be a crazy if florida state somehow comes out of this one with a victory i don't know i would laugh how you guys are feeling about it with your score predictions right now but we're seeing a 19 19 point underdog largest of any team in the postseason this year and i i don't know anything could happen on saturday expect the unexpected i will i if florida state wins saturday and we're Let's see, that would, that would have a sleeve in Hard Rock at what, about 9, 9.30? I would be walking oh back to the car laughing. I, I really would. Like, yeah, Georgia's got beat by Brock Glenn. What are we doing here? <laughs> I'm going to the casino. I don't know about y'all. We're going at the tables after that if Florida State comes away with the win um, at Hard Rock Stadium. But, yeah, we, we're going to. We're Taking going, that Florida State money line have a good plus time. 700. You throw, you throw 100 on that plus 700 money line. You're doing all right. That money line right now. Although I did tell myself I'm not touching that app until 20. Go to the casino cause... after this. Yeah. Lock it in. Yep. I don't even want to talk about sports betting right now. It's been rough the last couple of weeks. Um. Uh. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into more of this Georgia stuff in a minute. I need to also mention here. We're, we're gonna get the crappy stuff out first. Malcolm Ray. Not not going to be playing obviously on Saturday. Not on the not depth on the depth chart. Bye. I, I, I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening there. But it's in on in the transfer portal, and it's uh, he's not going to be playing on Saturday for Florida State. So once again, losing some interior help there on the defensive line. Um, but let's go do some positives here. Shaheen Brown, Lawrence to Philly, and Destin Hill signed a deal. For the 2024 season with the battles in so these three guys will be returning i really point out shaheen brown here because yeah. there was kind of some discussion and some rumblings that he was kind of around the group of maybe looking outside into other programs and uh he ends up you know really wanted to stick around with the, with fsu and so that's a big addition that you need to have in 2024 uh, a guy that has a really high ceiling and is a pivotal experienced guy as well. And then Lawrence Tofilly is another one. I shout out Lawrence Tofilly all the time just because of his commitment to Mike Norbell and the process here in this program sticking around for as long as he does. And he just doesn't, he isn't a guy that 
that causes problems. You know, he, he just gets out there and works and continues to improve. And that's going to be a guy that is going to be uh, fighting and most likely going to win. And Mike Norvell's running back system, uh, the starting running back for 2024. And then Destin Hill as well is going to be back for Florida State next season. Kind of dealt with some injuries uh, in the middle half of the season. Uh, but you could see the signs of him early on. And, you know, we know the attributes and just the little different cap- different kind of ca- capabilities that he brings to an offense. Uh, he can stretch the field, and that's something that Florida State would really like to have going into next season with whichever experienced quarterback they bring in, um, and definitely future-wise with uh, Luke Cromanhawk or Brock Lynn. But uh, some good news there on those three guys, gentlemen. Yeah, getting Shaheen back, absolutely massive. You know, one of the rising stars – on Florida State's defense this season. And, I mean, Kidd has a ton of potential to be even better, you know, as he continues to become more consistent. But he's been uh, someone I think maybe we predicted him to be one of the big breakout players of the year. We'll have to go back and listen to that. I know I'm pretty sure I did. But um, to get him back for 2024 as he continues to grow is going to be massive, especially, you know, you think about, you know, Patrick Payton. He, He had that stuff going on earlier. But as of now, back with the team, Looks like he's going to play on Saturday in the Orange Bowl. Um, isn't in the portal. Seems like he's on track to return to Florida State in 2024. If you're able to retain Peyton as well as Shaheem, that's two massive pieces of your defense in Florida State. You know, still some other guys on the roster to figure things out. Still diving into the transfer portal a little bit, but Shaheem Brown is big. Um, Toa Philly, you know, with the losses you have in the backfield, Trey Benson moving on. Um, Rodney Hill, we haven't gotten to him yet, but committing to FAMU, he's not going to be returned to Florida State, it seems. Um, C.J. Campbell previously transferred to Florida Atlantic. You needed someone back there that has the experience. Toa Philly has all of that, you know, been in Tallahassee for the last four years, going to be uh, the leader of that room in 2024. seems like uh, Kaiseya Holmes going to be back as well. you got Cam Davis and Makai Danzi coming in. So even though you've got some real departures in the running back room, I think you still have to feel confident with the talent that's uh, going to be there in 2024. And Dustin Hill, you know, another – Big young talent to get back to the team. I um, still think he's going to grow into a really good receiver at Florida State, beaten up a little bit throughout the 2023 season. But, you know, the signs are all there for him to develop. Yeah, Shaheem was really good down the stretch. I mean, he's, he started out kind of slow. I know we've talked about it a little bit already this year, but he started out slow in those last six or seven games. He really turned it on, was making plays, seemed to be a lot more comfortable. And, you know, one more year in the system, one more offseason, I think he's going to be – one of the better players on the team next year. I don't, I don't think I'm stepping over any boundaries by saying that. I think a lot of Florida State fans should be excited for this wide receiver in the future there. We're going to see Hakeem Williams. We're going to see some Andreas Jacobs on Saturday afternoon against Georgia, but some more Destin Hill as well. Uh, you know, Florida State's got a really good wide receiver. room. you look at what the class is coming in too, um, we're really excited about Elijah coming in. Dustin, uh, Ron Dugans has a, has a squad. And it's going to be interesting to see what this unit turns into uh, with whichever quarterback comes in and plays for Florida State in this offensive system behind Atkins and Norvell in 2024. Uh, Some more good news, too. Dustin, kind of hand this off to you for the most part. But Solomon Thomas, 2025, number one interior offensive lineman per 247 Sports. And their composite from Jacksonville, Florida, has committed to Florida State, 6'4", 315, big boy Alex Atkins. Get some big time help on the inside here. And I love the immediate reaction from Florida State fans saying, Oh, oh, that's a future Georgia flip right there. 
that's the immediate reaction from uh, FSU Twitter. But let's talk about Solomon Thomas here. This is a big pickup for Florida State. And if you go back a couple years ago, man, before, you know, really Alex Atkins got rolling, these five, this is a really talented kid that FSU fans uh, should be really stoked about. I know Coach Atkins and, and Mike Norvell are really stoked about the future for this kid. Yeah, man, can't even have any time to celebrate a, a big commitment. I mean, just go straight to the the negative attitude. But I'm a massive pickup for Florida State, five-star offensive lineman Solomon Thomas joining the fold in FSU's 2025 class. Um, the highest-ranked offensive lineman that Alex Atkins has landed since he's arrived in Tallahassee, um, probably one of the highest-ranked offensive linemen that Florida State's ever landed in program history. Right now, he's regarded as the number 18 overall prospect, the number <clears throat> the number one interior offensive lineman, and the number three recruit in the state of Florida in the 2025 class. So this is a guy that's extremely highly regarded. Um, Florida State, you know, been has been near the top of his list. For a long time, and you know, it's felt like he's been trending to the Seminoles over the last couple of months or so. Was was most recently um, on campus a couple of months months ago to watch Florida State take down Duke, and now joins Tremel Jones Jr. in that 2025 class. And Florida State still still early on in this Drive 25 class, but they're starting to build something here. And you know, we're seeing what they're doing with the 24 class, finishing the top 10, even though there are some disappointing moves down the stretch and they've got some really high profile targets that they're going after now. So to get Solomon Thomas in the fold already, and he's a guy that seems like he's going to be a vocal recruiter for Florida State. I think it's big for this group uh, moving into the new year. I think it's too big for Florida State getting their future guys in here to protect their quarterbacks, man, because that's one thing. If you're going to bring in some top tier quarterbacks on the recruiting uh, part of things in that landscape, I should say, you got to bring some big boys up front in the trenches to protect. And if you're looking at the future-wise in your quarterback room right now with Brock Glenn and Luke Cromanock, who we're about to talk about here, who we saw at practice today, uh, the future is bright in that room. But being able to put in some talent that you don't have to bring in transfers to have in just for a year or two years, this is a guy that you can grow in and develop. And that's just something that I think Alex Atkins is just looking his chops at uh, with bringing in Solomon Thomas. So great pickup there for Florida State fans. Should be super stoked, D. Lou. Six foot four, 315 pounds, and all of the potential in the world. And I think it says a lot, you know, for a kid like this, a high profile prospect who, I mean, you look at his offer sheet, he's got offers from all of the major programs in the country. For him to commit to FSU on the heels of this college football playoff snub and the negativity surrounding the program at the moment, the outside noise, fans, you know, not being happy with how things are certainly going at the moment. Um, I think it says a lot about the prospect and, and how committed he is to Florida State. So we'll see moving forward, obviously, with these five-star prospects. You've got to battle until the end, until you get pen to paper um, next December. But it is, it's always huge to land them first and hopefully last. Let's jump into this Georgia game. Gentlemen, we're here for it, and so is my camera flipping again sideways. I am going to throw this thing out of the window once I'm done with it. But we're here. We're here in Miami. We got to go to the press conference bright and early, bright and early. Tommy was up early. Dustin, you were up early, and, man, I was up early. I felt it, but I'm feeling it now. But who, who gives a damn? We got one last game of the season, so I'm excited for it. And excited to be in that stadium on Saturday when Florida State faces Georgia at 4 o'clock. 
But we heard from the offensive side today. We heard from Brock Glenn. How would how do y'all think uh really Delu, I guess, but you know, thoughts on hearing from Brock. We actually spent 10, 15 minutes with him. That was a nice thing about it. When you go to a bowl game here, you can kind of just sit there solo dolo with them and ask them what you want. Um, but to me, you see a confident kid. And I think too, whenever he was asked about Tate Rodemaker and the situation that he was put in, and you know, he said, you know, this is God's plan and he trusts the process there. And he says this team is confident uh, with him. And I talked with Marie Smith to one-on-one and he was talking about the the kind of protection that he knows that he needs to bring to this true freshman quarterback. But he also wants, you know, Brock Lynn to do his thing as well. You know, can't be there and, and protect everything. Got to allow Brock Lynn to take those opportunities and take those shots. And um, that's something that I think, you know, Brock Lynn told us today, you know, there's a lot of confidence that he, he grew from after that ACC championship game. And uh, also got to understand that this is a true freshman quarterback going against uh, Georgia, which continues to produce guys in the NFL on the defensive side. It's not going to be an easy task, but one thing that Brock Lynn has to his favor is Florida State's offensive line and those veterans being there to protect him. I was really impressed with the way he handled everything today. Obviously, this is a situation he wasn't expecting to be thrown into, you know, a couple – maybe even just a couple of days ago, but definitely you know, a week or two ago. Um, he was still going to this game, probably going to be the backup to Tate Rodemaker, and then bang, suddenly switches flipped. And as as Brock told us today, he was making his way back to Tallahassee from Tennessee. He was actually Austin. He was actually at the Charlotte airport um, when he got the call from Mike Norvell about what was going to be going down and that he was now going to be taking over as Florida State starting quarterback for the Orange Bowl. And he said that made the flight back to Tallahassee a little bit more intense. But like I said earlier on the podcast, uh, Brock says that he goes out there every day. He prepares as if he's Florida State's starting quarterback. He works as if he's a starter. He goes and meets with the coaching staff and, and goes over film. That was something that uh, Coach Atkins noted. He's always going and banging down their door and you know talking to the coaching staff, asking questions, figuring out ways to get better because he wants to be a Florida State starter. That's been his goal since he got to campus. And He's got that opportunity in front of him right now, and I think he's really excited about it. Even though Florida State's missing so many guys, you know, he said, uh, "All we got is all we need," and we hear Florida State say that um, every week before they run out of the tunnel on Saturdays. And you know, he was just really impressive with his attitude. Um, one quote that stood out to me, you know, talking about their belief that they can go out there and win this game. He said, "We got a, a great group of guys. I truly trust all of them, and we're just focused on the guys that we've got here right now." We believe that we can go out here and win this game. I spent a lot of time with the guys I'm playing with, practice with them as well. So we're fully confident. And, you know, I think this that just says a lot. You know, even though Florida State's missing all these guys on both sides of the ball, they're going to go out there and give Georgia their best shot. You know, we'll see if that results in a victory. But I think we all know that this Mike Norbell coach team, at the very least, are going to go play extremely hard on Saturday and leave it all out there. I do like that even though he may not be the starter next year, a lot of the guys he's going to be playing with on Saturday are still being guys he'd be throwing to in 2025. You know, Hakeem Williams, Fantravius Jacobs, Dustin Hill. Not Kyle Morlock. He's he's going to be a senior next year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But still still a lot of receivers. And even Sam Singleton, you know, that, that's a yeah. guy that he's going to be handing balls off to in a couple of years. At least he's getting used to those guys, you know, before he really needs to. He's got a lot of time to get used to those guys. And there's no better chance to do that than it, 
then even though Georgia's got all these opt-outs and transfers themselves, that's still as tout of a team as there is in college football right now. So a great opportunity ahead of him, and he can he can get some of these timing things down in a real-life game situation that he normally wouldn't get until, you know, 2025 or some mop-up duty next year, assuming they get the transfer that we all think is coming. One thing that stood out to me, um, probably not a probably not a surprise to us or anyone watching this, but Brock Lynn talking about the impact that Jordan Travis has continued to have on him, even though Travis is out for the season um, with a leg injury. Still down here with the team in South Florida. We saw him out there at practice today. The cast was actually um, off his foot, as Logan noted. So good to see him making some progress in his recovery. But, you know, Brock was just saying that Jordan is constantly talking with him and, you know, after practice, texting him about certain plays and, you know, doing this or doing that. So for him to just continue to act as a leader and to be as involved as he's been, despite, you know, what he's had to go through over the last couple of weeks, um, it's, it's, I'm sure it's been no easy task for Jordan Travis, but Hell really no. just says the, the type of guy he is um, on and off the field for him to tragically lose his collegiate career. Then you've got the playoff snub and, You've got all these guys opting out. He still finds a way to travel down here and, and do whatever he can to make an impact at Florida State. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just JT, just going off of what I had to deal with, and mine wasn't as excruciating as it looked like for JT, but, you know, I had an ACL tear, and you got to wait a good while, too, before you can go have that surgery. You got to wait for that swelling to go down. And showering, just the easiest parts, even sitting down on the damn toilet, whenever you don't have one – working leg man it, it blows and just for him to also be able to travel do all this kind of stuff he was up there early in charlotte he was there in gainesville for the game and then he's coming down here with the team overall and still having to go through rehab and he's got to stay very consistent at, on that as well and it honestly as you know you know bz2 as well with your hip stuff rehab it sucks it is one of the worst things i had ever had to go through when i was going through my acl rehab it it sucked so much and i i just you know just for JT to be dealing with that, but also to working on himself and trying to be a leader for this locker room is massive. And him for it to be in his ear with with Jordan, uh, with uh, Brock Land, you know, to also listen to Maurice Smith here talking about him. Uh, even when he said, even when Brock first stepped foot here, uh, he took him under his wing and treated him like a little brother. And that's just who Jordan Travis is. And uh, it's going to be great to have him on the sidelines for one last time, one last ride on Saturday. Yeah, my, my first hip recovery was a bitch, man. Let me tell you, that was, that was a process. And I think the, the important thing is even though, you know, one limb is injured, it's still – there's going to be so much action going on on the others, on his other leg that he's got to be able to balance those things out. And that's something yep. with rehab that people don't think about is making sure that both legs are the same by the time he's playing football again next year. That You don't want one leg to be much, more, much stronger than the other. It's going to be a hell of a recovery process for him, and obviously we all wish him the best, but I can't imagine it's going to be a, an easy process. Even some of myself that's been through a couple ankle rehabs myself, those aren't fun either. So we'll, we'll see how it ends up going for him. Yeah. I uh, also got to hear from Alex Atkins, too. Didn't get to spend a whole ton of time with the rest of the guys. There was Dimitri Emanuel, Darius Washington, Kyle Morlock was there, too. Uh, of course, like we were just talking about with Brock Land, but – Alex Atkins spent a lot of time giving respect to Kirby Smart and what they're going to bring defensively. Uh, I asked Maurice Smith, you know, how does Florida State's defensive line from training 
fall camp, spring, having that defensive line that you're going against every day prepare you for a team like you're going to be facing with the physicality of Georgia and the, and the powerful and the strength there. Uh, and he said, you know, it, it's been it's going to be a, a huge help because what Florida State has to face every day in practice with those guys are Braden Fisk, Fabo, Joshua Farmer, uh, a handful of other guys there on the interior. It's no easy, easy task. And um, Reese Smith said that even from the inside on the interior, also to the edge, uh, whenever they talk about their tackles, Florida State's going to have to uh, keep that bar up. And it does help a ton with them bringing back this unit for the, almost fully 100% there uh, to face uh, the Bulldogs on Saturday. But, you know, Atkins giving a lot of respect there for what Kirby Smart does defensively. And they feel like, too, there's some chances where Florida State's going to try to do some different things that, you know, this is kind of the point that you're at. You almost have to in this situation. And there's going to be some things that Georgia's not going to have film on on Florida State that they're going to try to use their, to their advantage. And it's going to be interesting to watch here in a few days. It's going to be really interesting to watch. And I think, like you said about the offensive line, that's kind of the main what if um, about this game because Florida State – a veteran offensive line, but they've just been beat up throughout the season. Robert Scott has missed time. Marie Smith missed two games earlier this season, but has definitely not was definitely not 100% down the stretch of the year. I mean, we saw the UF game. You know, they pretty much had to carry him through it. And um, we heard Jordan Travis talk after the Duke game that, you know, Marie Smith pushed to, to finish that one. Um, Casey Roddick has been banged up. Keandre Jones has been banged up. Demetri Emanuel, you know, switching in and out of the lineup. I think Jeremiah Byers probably the guy that's been the healthiest on the unit all year. And, I mean, even he dealt with a, a little bit of an injury issue during the middle of that season mark or so. So I think having these, you know, it's been about, what, 25 days since Florida State played a football game in the AC championship. Getting a break like this, it's huge for those guys up front and getting to dodge a little bit of physicality. So I'm, I'm interested to see how close they are back to, you know, they're not going to be probably fully healthy. but how close are they back to 100%? Can they be 85%? Can they be 90%? Is Robert Scott going to be able to play more snaps? Because if so, that that's going to help Florida State up front. Yeah, continuity has been an issue with them all year. And I've talked a lot this year about how, how the offensive line was just playing so below what we expected them to be playing as coming into the season. And hopefully them being fully healthy. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, maybe Bless Harris not being there anymore kind of gives them more clarity on who to play. You don't have to look over your shoulder anymore if you're if you're Robert Scott or you're Jeremiah Byers or whoever. You just go out there and play some football, and frankly, that's kind of just what they need to do. That's exactly what's going to be happening on Saturday. We were at practice today, and we were there for 15 minutes, so not the usual kind of uh, scoop, I would say, that we can give uh, the viewers because Dustin – 15 minutes ain't going to give you much. And sure enough, it was a mix of just watching the warm-ups from stretches and listening to the war chant on repeat and then getting a couple position little drills, some thuds here and there. Nick O'Leary punching players. <laughs> Nick O'Leary had a boxing glove on and it was punching out the ball from the players. I thought that was pretty funny to watch because Nick O'Leary, like if you just tell him to physically you're clear to physically hurt someone then that seems like his favorite thing to do so he was in his element today but got to see nick o'leary out there but brock lynn got to see luke cromanhawk what do you think about luke and seeing him watching a video right now here on my ipad of him throwing but 
to me, what stands out first of all, man, that, that kid is tall and it's going to mm-hmm. be fun for coach storms to work with him uh, during this soft season going into 2024. It was hard to get too much of an impression. I mean, we got to watch them stretch and then we got, you know, two short periods before we were escorted off the field for our final practice of the 2023 season. But like you said about Luke, I mean, he's a legit six foot four. I mean, he towers over the rest of that quarterback unit. I think he's got a little bit of a windup in his delivery, but that's something that Florida State's going to be cleaning up over the next couple of years as he gets a chance to work with Tony Tokars day in and day out. I mean, this is a guy that they've, you know, we talked about it in the early signing day podcast last week, but a guy they've scouted and worked with for years and years, and they really believe in the potential that Luke Cromanog has. And I think it's it's awesome for him to get the experience to be here. Not going to be able to play in the Orange Bowl on Saturday, to, but to be able to join the team, um, see what it's like to go through a game week at the college level uh, with Florida State, especially one like this where it's bowl week and you're down in South Florida. We saw some of the pictures come out from the yacht party. It looked like Luke Cromanog is already fitting right in with the team right in the middle there having having a blast um, with the guys. But, you know, for him, for Camden Fryer, who has now joined the team, was out there today, B.J. Gibson, um, a four-star wide receiver, uh, then you have Charles Lester and Kai Bates, two blue chip defensive backs, also out there practicing with Florida State. This is a, a big week for them to get an early introduction to how things are going to go in the spring. And, and I think experiences like this, you know, it's going to help them hit the ground running, especially with all these guys coming in. They're all blue chip prospects and all expected to have uh, big futures in Tallahassee. I kind of wish the corners could play right away. With, with Brian <laughs> and Renardo not playing, you kind of need a Charles Lester or a Kai Bates out there. But Either way, it's it's great for these guys to get that experience, and you know, even if they're only getting two, three, or four practices in before bowl season, that's that's a huge, huge thing for them. Getting getting some film of practice, get some things that in their mind going, "Hey, I need to speed up here. This is what I need to be doing better." Go ahead and have that going in a spring. You know, it's it's good enough that they're already on campus for spring practices next year, but getting some practice already on film before getting into spring that's huge for these guys. And, you know, especially just seeing some of them out there work against uh, guys that have already been at Florida State for a while. I mean, it was very brief today. You know, we got to see a little bit of Florida State going through uh, some sort of, I guess you would call it like an open field tackling drill. And um, these true freshmen, I guess they're not even true freshmen, um, these Tribe 24 signees, we'll, we'll call them that, they're they're not in pads yet because they're still in this acclimation period. You know, they're just in – um, a jersey, and then they've got pans on with no pads and just a helmet. But um, so we're not seeing really any live contact out there. But just to see the way Lester moves in these drills and his shiftiness, his speed, it, it really, really stands out. Definitely going to need to get in the weight room some more, get on that uh, Josh Storms diet plan mm. um, this off season. But he's he's got all the the athletic attributes for sure. Yeah, one thing I do believe in is Coach Storms getting these guys prepared, and and one thing about him is keeping them, for the most part, healthy through some physical seasons. So Coach Storms is going to do a good job on these guys. But yeah, Lester, just what what stands out, yeah, that speed, that speed, that's something that Tommy and you and I, when we were there, just watching him, number seven stands out quickly, and um, yeah, got to see Bates as well. But the two guys, Luke and him are going to be really fun to watch as y'all guy as we get into the spring too and start talking about these guys put some pads on as well get some coverage snaps with lester start watching luke throw some of these one-on-one balls and also see him work in microbell system which this is it's this 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 
kid fits Mike Norvell's system. This this his his quarterback that he's bringing into the system. This is his guy. This is his baby that he's bringing in. So haven't had the chance to actually see that in Mike Norvell's system. If you go back, it was really quick between Purdy and Rodemaker to bring them in in that first class just to have some kind of quarterback depth and presence there. But for what Florida State did evaluating uh, Luke, this was all homegrown and what they did. And you saw what happened when they offer him. He ends up committing and, you know, he ends up being one of the top quarterbacks in his class. So it can be really fun to see him develop under, you know, Norvell and Tony Tokars too. You know, Tony Tokars has been instrumental in all of this. But yeah, I wish I could share some of the tweets and videos up here as usual. Uh, but we're on the road here in Miami and my iPad will not. I can barely get my camera just to stay correct on here, but I wish I could share some of these videos, but make sure you're following us at Noel Game Day. Follow Dustin. Our Twitters are all down below, so make sure you guys go check out those videos down below on our... They're really uh, good. Our, they're really good. They're phenomenal. I mean, you just can't find that content anywhere else. You really can't. Or on our YouTube here, which most of you are watching, we upload... Just let me know if you want me earlier. to... Let me know if I should narrate mine next time or not. <laughs> I don't think that's necessary whatsoever. We will not be doing that. But uh, what are some guys you're looking forward to seeing, though, on Saturday, gentlemen? As we do know, we talked about a handful of these guys that have opted out. It's going to give a chance for us to look at some youngsters. Can't really go into depth on what we saw at practice. Trust me, we didn't see any kind of plays. They kicked us out before we got to see 11-on-11 11 11 there. Perfect timing. We got thrown out real quick before we can see probably the double wildcat but uh what are you guys looking forward to seeing i'll start off first for me um i'm really excited to see hakeem williams i thought you know just probably limited on the opportunities he'll get on saturday but just from earlier in the season uh just the flash that he had the speed i did not expect that much of hakeem just because of what we saw in camp of him kind of having a more of a sluggish start couldn't get through um, a lot of that early part of the you know training camp season. I would call it for uh, the, that freshman period of him, and you know had to lose some weight and, and cut up. And he really did build some good endurance with him, and he fixed his body quite a bit. And I think we're going to see maybe uh, some plays made from Hakeem and get some good opportunities if Brock is able to get the ball over to him. But Hakeem is someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing along with uh, Bondravius Jacobs. It's going to depend if Glenn can get the ball there, but um, I think Norvell is going to give give some chances to some of these youngsters to see what they're about, see if they're about that action, honestly. Excited to see Hakeem, excited to see Van Dravius Jacobs. Um, but then going over to the defensive side of the ball, mentioned him earlier, but Quindarius Jones, um, someone that's really flashed in practice ever since dating back to the spring, but also, you know, you know, going into the fall now as well, consistently popping up, making athletic plays out there, interceptions. And, you know, <clears throat> he's someone that gets matched up for whatever reason. You always see him taking on the veteran receivers. You know, we had some Quindarius Jones and Johnny Wilson one-on-one -on -one battles where he was actually coming out on top and either forcing a pass deflection or coming up with a pick in the end zone. Um, some real potential in that kid. And Florida State, the only reported offer uh, from him during his recruiting process. And he seems to be a potential diamond in the rough. Has has the length that Florida State wants in the defensive backfield, um, the athleticism, the awareness. I think it really just comes down to game experience at this point. And once he gets it, Quindarius Jones is going to be a force to be reckoned with in that defensive backfield. 
I like Quindarius. He's one that flashed in that elite camp. He was one of the only few that was able to uh, guard Jacobs and that, and Camden Fryer as well. Two excellent wide receivers that we're going to see more of going into the next year. But yeah, Quindarius is someone that just has those physical attributes as well and has had tons of really good flashes. I'll add on to the receivers real quick. You know, you already mentioned Hakeem and Van Dravis. I think you got to throw in Destin Hill as well. Um, guy that had a ton of potential co- or a ton of hype coming into him coming into the season, but only played about 150 snaps this year. Was dealing with some injuries. I'd love to see him get some more playing time, some more action, some more targets. You know, if he if he can get five or six targets, maybe even more. I think that's a that's a big stepping stone. But how are we leaving out the biggest one, Darrell Jackson? I mean, we've been yeah, talking yeah. about him all year, and finally we get to see him play. He's going to step in for Fabian Lovett, opting out of this game, and he's going to be able to eat right away. And finally, you know, especially being back in Hard Rock Stadium, you know he's going to want to go out and show out on Saturday. 100%. Yeah, back in his old stomping <laughs> grounds, literally. Daryl Jackson, uh, fully healthy, was put in the cage all throughout the season. They're about to unleash, unleash in Hard Rock. I'm super stoked to see him out there. Will he be paired? Side by side with his bestie Joshua Farmer, we'll see. Hope so. Definitely. Hope so. Definitely going to be interesting, you know, to have him a guy who is relatively fresh. You know, we can call it fresh. He's been going through practices and been having to do everything else throughout the season, but he hasn't played in these games. So going into his first game, I'm just interested to see. I mean, obviously how he performs, but I guess how he comes out energy wise, you know, is he going to be able to play a ton of snaps since he hasn't played yet this season? Is the excitement going to get to him, kind of gas him out a little bit early? How's he going to settle in? But either way, I mean, Daryl Jackson, just a monster, um, six foot five, around 330 pounds. And he's been waiting for this one since he got to Tallahassee. He's got this one circled on the calendar. He's really excited to go out there, finally make his debut as a Seminole and especially in a game like this against Georgia in the orange bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk with Alex Atkins today. And I wanted to pick his brain on Singleton, uh, Samuel Singleton, Florida state's true freshman running back. And one thing that stood out to me right away, he said that he thinks he's Florida state's fastest player on the roster. And we kind of saw that a little bit whenever he got some time earlier in the season and some dead time, um, late in, in the game, but he's one that uh, we're going to see on Saturday, which is going to be really interesting to watch as a, just a true freshman jumping in there and playing and getting some time along with Holmes as well, like someone that we've kind of always been asking for and on this show is seeing Kaziah Holmes. So we're going to see a lot of Kaziah Holmes, but Singleton, that's kind of stood out to me as someone that uh, I kind of going to keep an eye on because he's going to be uh, a factor going into 2024 of fighting for that kind of two, three spot and what Florida state and what Mike Norvell does in his system in the running back room uh, to note here too, on Georgia's side, Brock Bowers, their star tight end, making the really smart decision here to make sure he's not playing in this game to, I would never ever suggest him to play in this game whatsoever, because he is going to be a absolute demon in the NFL but uh, him and also a guy that everybody knows, this fan base certainly does, Marius Mims, really talented offensive tackle for Georgia, will not be playing for the Bulldogs, but uh, those two highlighted notes there for Georgia. But uh, Florida State, you know, just depending, too, on that linebacker room, 
maybe a little thin at the moment, potentially. We're going to see some youngsters with maybe we're going to see Omar Graham Jr., maybe some Blake Nicholson as well. Uh, something to keep in mind going into this game um, here in a few days. Just young guys everywhere. It's young. It's just, it's just, it's a very weird, it's a very weird situation. And, you know, just overall for Florida State's offense in my brain right now, you know, if you thought it was bad in Charlotte offensively, <laughs> don't just don't have any kind of expectations for much. I'm not putting that on myself right now. I'm going into this understanding that we're not going to be tweeting a lot of touchdowns happening. I'm hoping that we'll be able to tweet a few <laughs> good amount of first downs. I'm hoping that we'll be able to tweet a deuce span pass for a touchdown. That's what I'm hoping for sure. Um, but last, last time Florida State played Georgia in a major bowl game, Manquan Bolden went out there and, and threw it around. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yep, exactly. Bring Bolden, baby. I was just saying, you're without Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, Trey Benson. Rodney Hill is not playing on this offense as well. He's off to FAMU with Vashon Sapp, uh, Rattler Strike. But um, just don't put yourself in that position. But there will be some people on Twitter that will absolutely, for no reason, oh, yeah. throw hissy fits about what they see offensively. But just just enjoy. See the little flashes here and there, what some of these players can give you. And just to show some of these guys competing against a really stout defense, no matter who's playing for Kirby Smart, they're going to bring in. Uh, they're going to bring in dogs. That's just how it is. And uh, just Hold don't on. put yourself in that. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, but yeah, don't, don't raise your expectations too high for this defensively. I think there's some chances here and there for some, some things, but I'm really, now I'm really sad about going into the score prediction because all throughout 13 games, gentlemen, yeah. we all predicted Florida state to win, which got to get a hat tip to us here. We, Went undefeated on the season. It's the first time ever as a show to go undefeated in our picks. So, shout out to us, gentlemen. Our entire uh, website, job. when you think about it. Did Not anybody... just us on the show, but our entire staff all picked all Florida State the entire season. They that don't have a voice. Be... They don't matter. Damn. Okay, damn. Jeez, great. <laughs> so, here comes the transfer portal from our damn writing team. Thanks a lot, BZ. <laughs> Jeez, good thing Tommy publicly. Good thing Tommy didn't hear that. He's got, I got my AirPods in. <laughs> but um, yeah, and uh, our whole entire staff went undefeated on the season as well. We might be one of the only outlets to say that potentially. I know there's a few out there that went against FSU this year a few times, but you just got to know what you're talking about. Anyways, uh, let's uh, let's jump into this one now. Let's see uh, let's see what the score predictions for this might be. What are we Who's thinking? First? Go ahead, Dustin. I think it's you. And and make sure that make sure the comments. It's our last one of the year, so make sure you jump in. Give us your score predictions in the comments down below. Hit that like button before you leave as well. But score prediction, I think, yeah, it's down to Dustin for the last time of the twenty twenty three season a historic one still not gonna waste a lot of time here ladies and gentlemen uh i picked florida state for 13 straight games wasn't always easy but they persevered i'm gonna be going against them tonight i'm gonna be taking georgia in this game i think the 
the losses are just going to end up being too much for Florida State. But I still do think that the Seminoles are going to go out there, compete, fight to the very end. We're going to see some promising things from young players on both sides of the ball. And as we've said, you know, this is a game you can't really have expectations going into it. Just live and, and die by the results. But I'm going to go Georgia 27, Florida State 10. Um, FSU's defense continues to protect that 30-plus point streak. One, mm. one silver lining? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it just, it's just a crappy situation because Florida State's just on a heavy winning streak overall, too, which blows. But is it me? Yeah, we're talking, yeah. we're talking 20 or 19 straight games. Mm-hmm. Yep. This They're is for 20 close. straight. Yep. They were getting close to their gym, the Jimbo days, man. It was getting close. It was getting close. Norvell on a run. Uh, boys, I got Florida State. I got Florida State. Nah, I can't. Nah, I'm about to say, there's no way. Even your screen didn't believe you. Yeah, screen didn't believe me. I'm sideways. It should have just put me upside down at this point. Oh, there we go. So I've got uh, Florida State not winning this game. I've got Florida State losing 34 to 13. I got Florida State losing this game 34 to 13. I do think that we are going to see some entertaining things from Mike Norvell and what Coach Atkins tried to do offensively. Um, but I'm just not putting a whole lot of expectations, and there shouldn't be a lot of pressure put here on Brock Lynn. I think for him to just take some shots. You know, I think he got as he would be, as anybody would be. In an ACC championship of that caliber, when the situation he was put in, you know, got nervous at times. It was kind of really nervous in the pocket. Kind of use your legs here. Take take these shots to these players. You know, obviously you want to try to keep Rockland healthy throughout this game or you're looking at bringing in a walk-on quarterback and Luke Romanhawk can't jump in there, can't try to disguise him in a Tate Rodemaker jersey. You know, you're going to be wildcat for the rest of the game. But for the most part, take those shots when you got them. Get the ball out early, and I think that's what Florida State's going to try to do. But, um, yeah, this, this team is going to fight. There's there's no doubt about it. They're not going to be sitting down. This is going to be a really good test for the future of this program whenever you're facing the talent and the coaching staff of Kirby Smarts. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing I'm I'm, like, happy to go see this team. And they, they deserve the fans – uh, admiration for the season that they went through. This is a team that works hard. This is a team that is coached very hard going back to all of these camps, tour of duty. It sucks just watching these practices. I, I would not want to be any part. I wouldn't want to be a part of it at all. And just for them to go and win all of these games and be 13-0, FSU fans should be really supportive. And to the ones that are saying they don't want to watch the bowl game, whatever, your ass is going to watch the fucking football game, so shut up. Anyways, on to you, VZ. I don't even know how to follow it up. I don't know if I can. Sorry. He just went on a tirade. But, no, I think Florida State is going to come out and give a shit, which is going to matter. You know, no, no matter what happened and no matter who's opting out, no matter who transfers, Florida State's going to care. Is that enough? I don't think so. This offense wasn't exactly great against Louisville, and Louisville's nowhere near the caliber of defense that Georgia is. And even though Georgia's going to be missing Dumas Johnson, Marvin Jones Jr., and maybe one or two other guys that's still a really, really talented defense that also feels snubbed by the playoff committee and wants to prove something. So I don't think the offense is going to be able to do too much. I pray I'm wrong. Like I said, I hope we're walking out walking out of there Saturday night. I'm just laughing at every Georgia fan I see. But I just I don't see a way Florida State's going to be able to move the ball consistently. But I will say 
Florida State's a great team, and great teams cover. And last I checked, the spread was 19, so I'll take Georgia 27 to 10. Oh, nice. Hey, same okay. score. Yeah. Still holding hands, even in taking against Florida State for the first time. Yeah. Wow. You know what would be hilarious is that actually FSU ends up winning, and we went on that whole thing there talking about how great we are of being undefeated on this season, and we end up taking an L at the very end. If Florida State wins this game, it's going to be like a 10 to 6 game. Like, it's going to be something ugly. Well, well deserved if Florida State does that, honestly. I'm, it oh, would. Yeah. I would have. I would be happy to be wrong. I'd love it, it to would be, be wrong. great if they won this game. I just think you know, looking at it from an unbiased perspective, it's just hard to see them overcoming all of these losses. But hey, these guys—they're flying under the radar right now. They feel snubbed. You got some really pissed off guys on that team. It wouldn't surprise me to see them come out and, and punch George in the mouth and really turn this one into a uh, bulldog fight. And I, I will say the defense is a it's a huge difference when Jared versus playing and, and when he's not for Florida State's defense. I mean, I've, I've heard, I saw the stat earlier, but I want to say it's like a, a yard and a half per play difference when he's in and when he's out. So <clears throat> I think it's going to be a little bit tougher with him out of the game this time. Hey, we got the YouTube comments and everybody's saying they're going to get mad at us if, you know, if Florida State ends up winning. So I'd be right there with you. We'll be mad at ourselves as well. We will take everything you got for us. We would love to see Florida State pull this off. But um, right now we're all going in Georgia's favor. But, uh, gentlemen, that's it. No more previews until Florida State faces off against Georgia Tech across the seas with Kirby Smart. That might be the biggest battle. I might not be talking about Georgia Tech. We'll be talking about Florida State fans versus Kirby, uh, Kirby Herbstreit, whatever the hell his name is. Mostly. up there uh, at college game days. So that'll be the next time we'll be previewing a game. But it's been an absolute pleasure Pleasure, as I'm losing my voice and my mentals. This early press conference got me all the way screwed up and traveling. But uh, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. It's been fun. It's a really fun team to cover this year. So many ups, a lot of just tons and tons of ups. And, you know, Florida State having to deal with the college football playoff committee definitely blows and didn't get the opportunity of what maybe they could have been. And that was our last time seeing them all play together in Charlotte. But uh, what what a team it was. It was really yeah. fun to watch and see what Mike Novell has been able to build here as a program. I told I told our team, you know, tell the viewers we got one left. Uh, who knows the next time that you're going to be able to watch an undefeated Florida State team this late into a college football season. It hasn't happened in a very long time. So I think just – Going to the game, cherish this team and, and, you know, what Mike Norvell is trying to build in Tallahassee and, you know, just appreciate what they've done throughout the year. Any last words, VZ? I've got no comics. I still got to do with basketball season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk okay. about basketball next time we're on here. We're going to have our fans be at least one last little bit of happiness before we have to go into our instant reaction on – on Saturday, which we will be doing. We'll be doing our instant reaction on Saturday after Florida State faces Georgia. So make sure you're checking up here. You can actually – it will be set up for you guys live beforehand, so you can go ahead and bookmark it, or you can actually set an alarm there for whenever we do go live, or just be subscribed and you get notified whenever you hit that little bell there as well. So uh, it's been definitely a fun season to cover this team Awesome. All of you watching us here, either on YouTube, Facebook, now kind of Instagram. Uh, everywhere. The YouTube crowd is awesome. And it's almost everywhere. But uh, shout out to you guys. Y'all coming in here. We have a ton of new commenters. So many 
so many different kind of people giving us some different points of views and everything. And also to uh, a lot of views, we definitely climbed quite a bit. And Mike Norvell saying we definitely climbed on our side of things, but uh, we're going to keep the show going. Doesn't stop. We're live every Wednesday at seven o'clock Eastern time. So we'll be here live next week. We still got a lot to go through transfer portal recruiting. Got to get ready for some of these transfers coming in. So the content doesn't stop, but deeply appreciate everybody listening to us on here. The spear will talk to you guys Saturday evening after number five, Florida state takes on number six. Georgia. Thanks, everybody, and safe travels to the game. We will talk to you guys. You peace.